Thank you for listening. You're listening to Medicine Remix. So yeah, I watched uh, my next guest needs no introduction. That David Letterman yeah show on Netflix. Yeah, the Kanye West episode. I guess that's the the season two opener. Where's Kanye? Yeah, I think so. Obviously, they they covered a bunch of stuff, but the part that I was thinking of you the entire time was obviously uh, when Kanye's talking about his bipolar. So right. I wanted to know what your thoughts were about that interview in particular. Yeah, well, one thing that really I caught myself about to get mad, but he actually corrected the audience was when he talked about being off of his meds. Yeah. I heard you recently, uh, you said that you had been uh, not on any sort of pharmaceutical medication for uh, eight weeks, eight months? What was it? About eight months. Eight months. So, uh, and if you go back and listen to the, to, the, to the crowd, it's faint clapping. There's not like they were clapping for the, the shit prior to it. Mm-hmm. So, so it's not everybody. And it's very, mm, it's palpable. You can tell like, okay. It's like, yeah, yeah. You know, and so like some people are like, well, motherfucker, you probably shouldn't, you probably should be on your meds. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, you know, the other naive fucking uh, granola hippie, no medication for anybody were like, yeah, 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 you know. And that's a problem. Because those are the folks that you shouldn't be listening to, probably. Um, yeah. Because they obviously don't understand the condition. And, you know, I, I think, but, but he, he kind of uh, backsteps and then he, he refers to it, I don't know, that he has like the Louis Vuitton condition or something. And he was, or designer or some shit. Um, and that was his way, I think, of saying he doesn't have it as bad as some people. And I think he used folks with schizophrenia as an example. Yeah, yeah. Uh, something I wanted to point out is like when we clap at the idea of not being on medication, my form of mental health is, I think, like the luxury version of it. Like when people are schizophrenic and they have deeper forms of that, it's people who can't function without medication. So I'm not advocating. I'm telling you my specific right. story. So I, I thought that was interesting. That was smart, smart of him, actually. To catch that, um, but but of course, in, in classic Kanye uh, fashion, he's the exception, right? You know, he's yeah. You know, was like, well, I, I, you know, it's not for me. I'm using this other shit. You know, fucking light therapy, whatever the hell he's doing. So is that what he's doing? Did he say that? Yeah. Oh right, yeah. There's that one part where he's talking about part of the reason why I'm backing the artist James Terrell is his work has to deal with light healing so is that like that um i think we did an episode about this right about the no he he's what you're referring to um is for like seasonal affective disorder right and that's just like a uv light or no it's 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 light but it's just for the sake of barking up the retina in the eye so to take in light so it's not really anything special per se as much as it is sort of exposing yourself to daylight really would be the equivalent right so it's for people who generally tend to be in areas that get very little sunlight so there's nothing like magical about it It, it's actually a mechanical process you you just want the light to hit the back of your eye it's got to be a certain amount of lux 
uh, and I think 10,000 lux or is, is the measurement. But anyway, I think what this guy's talking about, because he mentions the guy's name, and I think the guy's name is James Terrell. And he's like, he's an artist, actually. Mm-hmm. I don't know much, I don't know much about him, but he's like a fucking light and space guy. So, so that light therapy, if that's the guy he's talking about, I think that's more of a um, foo-foo uh, spiritual light therapy. Mm. Like sitting in a red room and shit. And look, not to discount it, because I think it's probably serving as a form of meditation. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't think Kanye's only problem is bipolar disorder. I'm completely speculating here. I think the guy has a lot of trauma, his mom dying, one of them. Um, mm-hmm. So I think he's got a lot of shit, and he's a famous person, and, right. you know, he's made bad decisions. Yo, Taylor, I, I'm really happy for you. I'm going to let you finish. But Beyonce had one of the best videos of all time. One of the best videos of all time. He was in a car accident himself. Yo, Chief, they can't stop me from rapping, Kenny. Kenny, hot. He's got a head trauma. Nobody talks about the head trauma here. That guy suffered major head trauma. Oh, yeah. And, you know, frontal lobe injuries, you know, football players and disinhibition and all that shit. That guy's yeah. probably got some. Nobody ever talks about that part, which That's is interesting, interesting to me, you know, yeah, because yeah. if you go back and you, you listen to Roseanne Barr, Roseanne Barr was hit by a car when she was a teenager and became totally disinhibited. And she kind of attributes her ascendance into comedy to that accident. Hmm. Well, I had got hit by a car and the, uh, the hood ornament went in my head, in my brains, and scrambled them. And I, I used to be an A-plus math student. I was just great in geometry. Oh, my God, I loved geometry. I got straight A's. And uh, then, you know, I sort of fell apart after that. It took a long time to uh, heal from it. And um, the, How much did your personality change? Oh, it changed drastically. I couldn't remember things, you know. And also I became way more impulsive. Then I was like, I don't know what I did. Then I started going really out there into the ethers. Which is, you know, I, I found pretty fascinating because she's recently had all kinds of issues. Right. Um, also and, with disinhibition, specifically. Right, yep. yep. And Sam Kinison was hit by a car. Um, his brother wrote a book, uh, My Brother Sam, and he talks about how after Sam got hit by the car, he became totally disinhibited. He became the Sam Kinison we all knew and loved. So I'm going through customs, you know, or whatever, that x-ray thing. I walk through the box, nothing's going on, wait for my bag, and all of a sudden, he's got a gun! He's got a fucking gun! So... I think that's a big part of Kanye's thing. And I, I just find it super interesting that nobody ever talks about it. Well, we're talking about it now. Yeah, and I don't know if he knows about it. I'd be curious if anybody's talked to him about it. Mm. Um, and who knows? Who knows? He'd probably, you know, again, be the exception in his mind that that has nothing to do with it. But I'd, bench, I'd, I'd float the guess that that should be explored. But back, back to your original question, you know, like, so what's the deal, you know, with what he had to say about um, the condition? Well... I, I don't know. He said a couple of things that rubbed me the wrong way. One was that we have these magic medications that if you have a lot of money, I'll give you. Right. That, that don't have side effects. Complete bullshit. Yeah. N- yeah. N- that struck me too. It's obviously not my field, but I was just like, ah, that, yeah, that sounds a little fishy. Yeah. That's just not the fucking case. And 
are there medications that are more expensive than others? Of course. Are there new medications that come out all the time? Yeah. Are they better? No. There's nothing that's come out in my recent path and training that has been a fucking game changer in psychiatry. Not a one. So to even suggest that is really, really irresponsible. But that's what he does, right? He says provocative shit. If he wanted to be fair about it, and he kind of said it right when he when he accused uh, when Letterman starts sharing that you know he's on psychiatric medication. He says, "Oh, but you got the you know Louis Vuitton version or some shit." Prada, he yeah, said, yeah, got the yeah, Prada glasses, yeah. Right. Finally, my doctor, after ten years, he said, "Oh my God, try it. What do you? Come on, let's go here." Uh, and it's it uh, is a serotonin reuptake inhibitor. It was like getting a new pair of glasses. Yeah. But you did get the Prada glasses. <laughs> so, you know, I, that's a shitty way of saying, like, oh, if you were in the hood, you wouldn't have gotten that. Yeah, I and mean, that's what he said, too. He's like, you know, if you're in the hood, you're getting that tussin. Yeah, and you know, and, like put some tussin on it. Yeah. In high school, in a normal neighborhood or something, they might throw some tussin on it. You know what I mean? It's just like, <laughs> it might not have been as specified. Even for me, when I went through other episodes, they're like, oh, well, all of a sudden now, we got this version of the drug that won't make you fat. Mm, why didn't y'all suggest that in the first place? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just not fucking true. And more and more, the, the actual drug companies are getting really, really good about being covered by Medicare and Medicaid because they want to get paid. Yeah. So they're adding these to their formulary all the time. You know, so it has more to do with insurance companies than it has to do with some fucking grand conspiracy. You know, right. and, and I, so I, I found that really shitty because there's there's always been a real adversarial relationship between psychiatry and folks in poverty. Because psychiatry mm -hmm. has a very, very, very tainted history experimenting on people and, you know, not treating people and locking people up in asylum and all that shit. So yeah. I, I felt that that was really irresponsible, uh, you know, to suggest that. Now, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that if you, you know, have more money uh, that you, you're not going to get better care. But if you have more money, you're going to get better shoes, better food. You're going to live in a better... I mean, of course, shit's going to be better. That's the nature of it. But to suggest that there's some grand conspiracy in there where now you have access to medications... Th th let me... I'll say it like this. It's super rare, if ever, that I'm treating a patient that I think to myself, fuck, if they were rich, we could cure this. Yeah. It's just nonsense. Complete nonsense. And, you know, again, he's hung up on the, on the weight gain. You know, he says, oh, it didn't make you gain weight. I don't know if you remember, but when, when he flipped out and went on that TMZ rant, one of his accusations to the press was um, that he was put on pain meds because he was going to go get lipo or something. You remember this? Hey, everyone, listen to this, please. Two days before I was in the hospital, I was on opioids. I was addicted to opioids. I had plastic surgery because I was trying to look good for y'all. I got liposuction because I didn't want y'all to call me fat like y'all called Rob at the wedding and made him fly home before me and Kim got married. I didn't want y'all to call me fat, so I got liposuction, right? And they gave me opioids, right? He literally tells them that he was 
I don't know if he said he was gonna go get lipo or he got lipo and got the pain meds. I just remember there was some reference to him getting on pain meds and that he was gonna go get lipo because the press made him feel he was fat. So and he attributes the being fat to a the medication. medication. So what what was that? Any speculation on what that is? Is that like a lanzapine or what? So it, it, going back to med school yeah, here, yeah, yeah. No, it could be. So lanzapine's an antipsychotic. Uh, you know, if you're bipolar. The indication for an antipsychotic is for the manic phase. It's not part of the maintenance phase. Meaning if somebody comes in and they're floridly manic and they're fucking all over the place and grandiose and in some cases, you know, floridly psychotic, um, part of what you hit them with is an antipsychotic. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it lingers, it stays around, it stays part of the regimen just because it helps because drugs like Abilify have... um, been appreciated for some mood stabilization properties but in terms of like the go-to for mood stabilization for somebody who's bipolar it's it just it's not the case that's not generally how it goes most often it's like depakote or lithium Mm -hmm. um they can all cause weight gain lithium's more of a water retention weight gain but nonetheless you're gonna put weight on but i think in his case it was probably an antipsychotic um Mm. you know which one Probably not a lanzapine. This generally because of the reasons it's it's the one, uh, the second generation antipsychotics that is most likely to cause weight gain, um, but they all cause can cause weight gain. Abilify is the least likely one, but nonetheless can cause weight gain. And more often than not, the antipsychotics do cause weight gain, and the ones that tend to work the best tend to cause the most weight gain. Now, are there some that are weight neutral? There are. Weight neutral doesn't mean it doesn't cause weight gain. It means in the study, some people gained weight, other people didn't. So they all can cause weight gain. So to, 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 to act like, you know, there's some fucking medication out there that doesn't cause weight gain. Mm, I don't know. I thought it was shitty because really he was trying to be provocative when he said it, you know? Yeah. And I, I, I thought that was, I mean, I should expect as much from him. But, but that was super interesting because it's, like I said, it's polarized already, you know? And, you know, to, to insinuate. Bipolarize. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, I just think it's it was irresponsible, but, you know, uh, it is what it is. But the fact that he's, you know, off medications, I thought was interesting. I, I don't know. I forget what they said, eight months or eight weeks or something like that. What was it? About they, eight months. Eight months. Um, you know, again, I don't know the guy, so I don't know what he's doing. But it sounds like he's on some sort of, of regimen or protocol. Right. Is what it sounded like. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, does it mean that he's out of the woods? I don't think so. The wild card there is, you know, how often do people cycle when they're bipolar? And there's no hard and fast rule. Right. You know, um, the only real rule that you can glean from the literature is that when you do start on a cycle, for example, if you were bipolar and you came in and you were floridly manic, if we just left you alone for three months, chances are you'll cycle out of it with, without any intervention. Mm. But three months is a tremendously long amount of time for disaster to happen. Right. So that's why it's imperative that people get help. The other thing is, if you go on medication and you get off of it and you cycle, it's notoriously harder to bring that person out of that cycle again with medication. They end up having to go on higher doses. Right. So that's why maintenance is very, very important. So 
you know, it's hard. It's hard to, you know, to recommend what he's doing to other people. Obviously, I don't know everything. I don't even know if the, you know, what the grounds were for the diagnosis. It sounds like he was on a bunch of other pills and shit. So it could have been medication induced, uh, you know, drug induced. I don't know. You know, but on average, most people uh, with bipolar disorder will have one to two cycles a year. So he might have had his already. So this eight month run might not be attributed to anything other than just that's his that's his timeline. Mm. You know, so I, I think it's super risky what he's doing. Um, if he is indeed bipolar, I'd question that a lot. You know, but you'd question the diagnosis. No, I'd question his his approach and praising him for doing what he's doing, because it's just wild to me that somebody would take the stance that well at least i'm not schizophrenic they got it for real for real right you know it's like bro what are you talking about you know like folks with your condition hurt themselves all the time yeah yeah you know um and then he said something really fucking weird and which i also thought was again very 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 accusational and i don't want to say unfounded but i think unwarranted it's probably a better way to say it when he was talking about uh they, they, they tie you up. And they have this moment where they put you, they handcuff you, they drug you, they put you on the bed, and they, they separate you from everyone you know. And, and then he said they don't do that to pregnant women? They don't do that to pregnant women. Yeah, I was like, the what? Fuck are you what, what kind of comparison yeah, is that even? It's like, yeah. they don't do that to the fucking butcher. It's like, what? 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 Why? <laughs> Why did you pick that? And obviously, yeah. look, let's be honest. Why, let's, it's like, why would they do that? Right. <laughs> well, what, well let, let's, let's be honest why he picked that. Because he wanted to pick somebody vulnerable that we all think should be protected. Right? Somebody harmless. Right? Somebody who should be cared for. A pregnant woman. I mean, I think that was a deliberate choice, which I thought, like, that's dirty and sleazy. Like, what the fuck, man? And, and, and then second of all, it doesn't even make sense. You know, thankfully, right. they, don't, they don't do that to pregnant women. Yeah. Thankfully, they don't do that to kittens either, you fucking moron. Like, what are you talking about? But so, you know, he says that. And uh, so here's the thing. You know, do people get restrained in psychiatric facilities? Well, I got news for you. People get restrained in regular hospitals all the time. Yeah. Shit happens, right? And you have to err on the side of caution. And there's protocols. And there's no guys in fucking, you know, white button-up shirts like in the 50s movies. That, that come and fucking stab you in the neck with, with some concoction, you know? it's not how it works. Uh, do people need to be held down sometimes and medicated? Yeah, you want to know why? Because they're fucking psychotic, and they're trying to hurt themselves or other people. So, you know, if, if it were one of my patients and I was on your floor, most times you have to have two doctor signatures for that to even take place. And, and so the only reason I bring that up is because there's protocols to try to remove omnipotence from these situations where you just fucking go around making these calls and restraining. Like, you, that's not how it works, right? Now, if you are concerned enough about someone's safety, you can make that call on your own, but you have to justify it later. And that happens all the time. Now, do people routinely walk in to any facility I've ever worked at and they fucking tie them up? First off, I've, I've seen one person tied to a bed, like with straps. And that was while I was a med student. I've never seen it since. And I believe some states can't even do that. Now, they have things called restraints, but they're not restraints in the sense that you tie anybody down. There are certain holds that they'll hold you until you calm down. That's it. And then once you calm down, they back off of you. 
And if you get violent again, well, then, you know, staff will have to come in and hold you down again. Here's the thing. Nobody wants to do that because it's dangerous. Yeah. You know, every staff member that I've ever worked with would rather avoid that. And there's one guy, he's part of like the de-escalation team in one of the hospitals. That guy's fucking great, brilliant. And he's actually gotten attacked a couple times because he'll do everything in his power to not have to restrain somebody. Everything to the point where he puts himself at risk. And he sustained some permanent injuries too, actually. So, you know, do people get restrained? Yes. But I'll tell you this, the folks that I have seen get restrained, most of the time what will happen is they'll restrain them enough to where they can get them in an isolation room and then they'll put them in a room so they don't hurt anybody. And most of the time they're not like padded rooms or any shit like that. They're just a room. And I've seen everything go down in there. I've seen people eat their own shit. I've seen people fucking piss on the walls. I've seen people bang their head against the wall. Like I've seen all because these people are psychotic. And at that point, there's got to be an extraction protocol and they have to be medicated. Otherwise, here's what would happen. Those people would hurt themselves and possibly kill themselves. And the question would be, why didn't you guys do anything? Mm. Right. So the jargon is the least restrictive environment possible. Like, did you guys try that first? So there's the protocol. You have to you can't just, hey, that guy is acting weird. Fucking time up and medicate him you can't do that so his description was so romanticized as like he acts like he walked in there in a fucking tuxedo you know smoking a pipe talking about uh politics and then they tied him to a bed but yet in the same interview he talks about being so paranoid that he thought everybody was trying to kill him right come on man you can't have it both ways there's a moment that i have to talk about publicly that has to be changed so i'm going to talk about this publicly so this moment can change so when you're in this state you're hyper paranoid about everything everyone from this is my experience some people have other experiences everyone now is an actor everything is a conspiracy you see everything you feel the government is putting chips in your head you feel you're being recorded you feel all of these things and these are vividly realistic to you yes do you think if you if you really believed because letterman even asks him like and you genuinely believe these things and he says yes okay so if that's true i ask you how do you think you would act if you genuinely believed that every person walking this planet was trying to kill you do you think you'd be sane no do you think there's a chance that you might be violent course you think your life's in danger so you know for him to say that i I just i thought it was really really irresponsible and i i think you know he owes it to himself if he really believes that to sit down and think about what kind of condition he was actually in at that time right one of the other things that he said well at least that's what i thought he said was um more on the lines of like separating him from his loved ones that's something that i am so happy that i experienced myself so I can start by changing that moment. You have to have. (laughs) When you are in that state, you have to have someone you trust. It is cruel and primitive to do that. How does that go down? Like, is is that like definitely the case that, you know, you're your family is like removed from from the situation um, well, or does it depend on the situation? I'm sure. Most of the time, 
your family's the one who puts you in there. Yeah. Right? You can't, most of the time, you can't get in there unless your family consents to it. Uh-huh. Right? So let's be fair. Uh, they probably don't want to be around you, right? Right. So it, it isn't like most times they're, they're holding you away. And the problem with that is if it's very early in the hospitalization, seeing your family, if you're still floridly psychotic, creates more problems. Yeah. Right? Because you see them, you want to go with them, you want to leave with them, or you start accusing them of shit, they start crying, right? Like it's, nobody likes that. Right. Right. So, so stabilization is important, but safety is key, right? You just, we got to be safe. So that's one. Two, no matter what the situation, the longest I've ever seen not being able to have contact with family is 24 hours from when you're admitted. And that's just because they want you to calm the fuck down. They're, they're just, everybody's trying to get their marbles about their situations. Everybody's trying to get straight. But every facility, every inpatient facility, either voluntary or involuntary, they get phone time and they have family sessions. Matter of fact, you can't be discharged from the hospital unless you have a family session, meaning your family actually has to come in and meet with you and the therapist and the doctor at a round table. So this idea of like, you know, oh, not being able to see your family. Look, if you're on isolation because you're violent and aggressive, I agree with that call 100%. Yeah. I'm not going to put other people at risk. Regardless, yeah. yeah, regardless of what the situation is. So is it ideal? No, it's not ideal. But you know what's also not ideal? Being floridly psychotic. Yeah. So we're not dealing with an ideal situation here. Now, if I had all the resources in the world, if you made me king for a day, what would I do? Well, yeah, I'd, I'd probably sit down and try to make this as loving and caring of an environment as possible. But you also have to keep in mind, you're in a facility with other psychiatric patients. You know, you're not at fucking Disneyland and the only person who's sick. Like these places are hectic places. So there's so many variables there, you know, and whether or not, you know, you're isolated. Do some people have to be isolated? Yeah, it's very rare though. And you can't put somebody in isolation forever. It's, you're getting a lot of trouble for it. You know, most of the time when, when I have to put somebody in isolation, it's literally for like an hour or two because we're just waiting for the med to kick in because, you know, they literally, I've, I've had patients walk up behind an unsuspecting nurse and just fucking cold cock them in the head and knock them out. I mean, that's what happens when they think you're trying to kill them. Yeah. You know, so... There's so many variables that he's leaving out and he's painting this fucking picture as if, you know, trust me, Kanye West was probably not given terrible treatment. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think we can agree on that. Right. You know, so the fact that he's doing that, I get it, man. I get it. I understand. There's, I've said it before. I don't care if you're a thoracic surgeon. I don't care what you are. There is nothing more invasive than psychiatry. It's all-encompassing, man. People don't have a problem if you're elbow deep in their chest cavity, but the second you start talking about maybe they're bipolar, that shit crosses the line. Yeah. You went too deep. It's personal, you know? And so I get it. I understand why it feels that way. Yeah. But at the same time, in erratic fashion, as he always does, he walks this fucking super crooked line where one second he's talking about how bad the condition is, and why it was so hard for him. And the next second, he's telling you why he doesn't need medication and he doesn't have a problem. Yeah, you know, it's so, so interesting because on the one hand, it's like, you know, you want celebrities to come forward and raise awareness about these things, especially things like, you know, mental health and, you know, specifically like, you know, bipolar. I, I don't know 
you know, anyone in recent memory as famous as Kanye West that, you know, A, has had bipolar and then B, has come forward and, you know, kind of, you know, talked about it a bit. So on the one end, you want them to, you know, come forward and talk about their experience, raise awareness about these things, both for patients that um, have bipolar to, you know, destigmatize the thing and also raise awareness to to people that, you know, just need to have a better understanding of uh, the different facets of, of mental health and, you know, bipolar being one of them. But then on the other hand, like a lot of this other stuff that he's talking about, you wonder, it's like, uh, maybe it was better, we were better off with him not talking about this in the first place, because of a lot of the claims that he's making, and some of the outlandish things that he's saying as far as not taking your medication and what what kind of message that sends to other bipolar people out there that may be looking up to him, um, you know, as an artist uh, and, and you know, them as a fan to be like, oh, if Kanye right. doesn't need his medication, maybe I don't either. Maybe, you know, I've been keeping myself from being my best self and, you know, Kanye is this big, you know, successful artist. Maybe I should stop taking my medication too. And, you know, the effect that that, you know, may have. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> what do you think? You think you think we we're right. better off with Kanye not saying anything? You know, I, I mean, I, I feel the same way. I think, I, I think that's the good and the bad of it. I think you have to acknowledge why more people, more celebrities, haven't come out about their own condition, and it's because of what it is. It's it's highly stigmatized still. And I think it's going to, you know, it's to be expected to, to have somebody sort of this out there to come out and be the one to acknowledge it or speak about it. And, and I'm almost embarrassed to invoke myself into this conversation. But uh, oh, we're all dealing with mental health. If you ever raise your voice because we're pushed into it, we're, dri we're driven crazy. We forget who we even are. We're driven to like a certain type of career that we're supposed to be. We're like completely bullied by the media, both celebrities and the masses, to think certain things and have group thought, like, oh yeah, damn right we going crazy. Yeah. Well, the I'm the most famous person with it, and I only experienced it for two years. What about people that's been experiencing since they was two? You know, I, I think you, you accept it yeah. for what it is. I, I don't think he's a guy, you know, this is the same guy who said slavery is a choice. When you hear about slavery for 400 years, for 400 years, that sounds like a choice. You know, I think he's he's reckless with his words, you know, and, and super contradictory all the time. You know, um, he goes on and on about how you shouldn't call people crazy. If I'm peeping something that people don't want me to think about or know or say out loud as a celebrity, oh, he's just crazy. And then I go home. Yeah, if, I, if they didn't think I was crazy, it may be a problem. And how you can say anything you want about somebody with a sight condition, you know, that people feel at liberty to call people names and say things about them. But yet he literally says himself, oh, if you guys want, you know, crazy music and crazy art, you have to accept that sometimes it might come from a crazy person. If you guys want these crazy ideas and these crazy stages, this crazy music, in this crazy way of thinking, there's a chance it might come from a crazy person. <laughs> like, <laughs> Dude, which one are you, man? You know, we're cherry picking here. And I get it. It's a complex, dynamic, you know, field and process and, and story. But 
I do think that he's, he treats this too much as an improv show for something that people suffering from these conditions don't have as much wiggle room in their life to do it. You know, people give him a lot more rope. You know, he's not going to be out of work. He's not going to have his whole existence yeah. that's hanging by a thread just completely slip away because on a whim he decided to stop his meds, you know. And I think that's irresponsible, but at the same time, we shouldn't be looking to celebrities for guidance. Yeah, but unfortunately, that's that's the reality of our culture and society and I guess, you know, human nature to, to some level is that, yeah, I mean, people are taking advice from Jenny McCarthy and people like that about, you know, vaccination, you know, and not listening to people that have sacrificed the best years of their lives to, you know, actually know about these things, um, like, you know, your pediatricians and your doctors and, and right. you know, you know, ugh, it's yeah, but I don't know how to combat that other than having these kind of conversations and, and amplifying them, you know, as as much as possible. Yeah, well, you know, I I like it, man. I like to be to have our professions questions. We should be questioned. Right. You know, um, I think if we do our due diligence to chase some of these these things down the rabbit hole, too, we'll, we'll know what to say when they come up. Other than, oh, God, not this again. That's fucking bullshit, right? Like, I think we owe it to ourselves and we owe it to the profession as basic as it might be sometimes to explore what the most common conspiracy theory is. Right. Who's the one spewing it and have your talking points when they come up. You know, because I think that's important, too, because I, I do it all the time. People will bring shit up and I'll be like, oh, yeah, so-and-so said this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I heard about that. Yeah, it sounds super interesting. It sounds like, you know, there's something to it. But, you know, you look into it, you know, you'll find out a couple things. And if you're interested, I can point you in that direction. But, yeah, I understand why people would think that. That's generally how, you know, I dress it before I, you know, delve into whatever the, the, the topic might be. You know, and sometimes, I'll be honest with you, somebody will post some shit and it fucking infuriates me that in a five-second Google search, you find out that that why that's complete bullshit like where it came from not even like the 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 heart of the argument just like the quote from the person that they claim they're quoting about what the quote means right a five second search will find he actually never said that what people are referring to is this and this is what he was actually talking about but yet you know they'll have some fucking meme up there and some little one-line post like i've been saying this you know <laughs> it's like god i mean come on man you know, I think that's just as reckless as what Kanye's doing, to be quite honest. Right. But again, I, I think those are those those are sorts of things are worth chasing for us for at the very least to know a what's out there, you know, mm -hmm. what 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 nonsense might be out there. And then, you know, every once in a while, there's some truth to whatever people are saying. And it's important to acknowledge that, you know, it's important to say, look, man, I get what you're saying. The majority of that is bullshit. But, you know, this one part is actually true and and. Here's what I think about it. Because then you can actually build an alliance with somebody if you agree with them about certain parts of their views. You don't have to agree with everything. But if you can show the humility to say, you know, yeah, I, I see what you're saying and I get why you feel that way. Because that part of what you're saying is true. Yeah, that did happen. And if you know enough about it, you can either justify why it happened, explain why it happened, or show your sympathy that it happened at all and say, yeah, that was a you know tough part of history. You know, something we should all know about and something we should all be ashamed of, you know. But instead, in our busy days, 
most of it's fucking bullshit and we don't have time for it. Yeah. You know, and, and we know how much is at risk sometimes. And we think, oh, you can't be playing with your fucking health and well-being listening to this shit, you know. But yeah, tricky. Yeah, it's not super tricky. But yeah, I I think celebrity culture is important, man. And I think us as doctors, I think it's it's really important to have a pulse on on culture and, you know, what's being said. Because since, since the inception of this whole like Medicine Remix project, you know, we've talked a lot about using culture as like a vehicle to talk about a lot of these you know, complicated medical issues, medical conditions. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, I stand by that even, even more. So, you know, back to the whole, is it good that Kanye's like saying all this stuff, I guess, yes and no, but I think, you know, overall, it is good that we're having these conversations in the first place versus if he wasn't, you know, uh, so forthcoming about his condition. And, you know, even though there's some misinformation in there, at least we're having these conversations. Well, I think it's it, it's good for it's good if the response is good, because what it does is if I just go and start talking about bipolar disorder on TV, just unprompted. Yeah. I guarantee you I get less ears than if I go talking in rebuttal to what Kanye said. A hundred percent. Yeah. Right. Even even how we're going to like title this episode um, right. about, you know, a psychiatrist's take on, you know, Kanye West's bipolar yeah. versus just a psychiatrist talking about bipolar. Right. You know, how do you <laughs> how do you think the the listens are going to match up there? Right. No, that's exactly right. So I think our responses are important. Now, could we just jump on the microphone and start talking about what a shithead he is and he's a piece of shit and God, I, you know, that guy shouldn't exist. Yeah, we, we could. We could do that. But I like the guy. I enjoy his music. I, 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 I like him. Yeah. I think, you know, I'm happy he exists. Yeah. He's an interesting person. You know, I... I I, I can hold both of those views in the same way that I can acknowledge that my friend is a shitty person, <laughs> but he, you know, yeah. but he's my friend. So, you know, maybe that's not for everybody, but I can appreciate it. And at the same time, you know, I, I think we have to harness and, you know, what he's doing. You know, it's like I tell people all the time, you know, uh, for medication, part of our goal is to hijack the side effects. You know, if there's a side effect of weight gain, most people don't want that. But if somebody's having a problem eating, loss of appetite, and losing weight, then maybe that medication is a good option because it's got side effects that we can hijack, right? Make it, maybe it makes you sleepy and you have trouble sleeping. Right. How about we, you, we go that way because we want to hijack that side effect. You know, I think the same applies with information. Hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's less convenient. You know, I wish that wasn't the case where we have to wait for somebody to say stupid shit so we can, re, you know, reply to it. But that's an opportunity too. Yeah. Hundred percent, hundred percent. But you know, again, it. I, I think how you reply is super important too. You know, it's super important, and it just makes more sense when you understand the culture and you're replying. Otherwise, you're just a grumpy old man, right? You know, and I think that's part of it. You know, that's that's very off-putting. Um, that's why I think what we're doing is important. And you know, I was just somebody was listening to a podcast some at some point today uh, that I overheard. And they were talking about, you know, health disparities amongst uh, African-Americans uh, compared to whites and life expectancies, you know, being like five years less and 
poorer outcomes for diabetes and all that shit. And then, you know, they're interviewing some guy on the street and, you know, he's talking about what people have been talking about since we were in med school. Uh, you know, oh, me, you know, doctors don't look like me. You know, there ain't nobody like us. When we go talk to our doctors, it's never somebody who can relate to us. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not from this. They're not like that. The same shit has been going on forever, you know, and I think the same is true of information. It hasn't been coming from people that look like you. Right. You know, and everybody's a little racist. <laughs> Suck it up. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I, 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 was, I was listening to Eddie Bravo uh uh, Joe Rogan's buddy, uh, the jujitsu guy, and he said, "You know, it's funny. When I'm watching a jujitsu a jujitsu match, I always root for either like the person he knows, or, or who trains the same style he does, or if he's watching an MMA fight, he's always rooting for the jujitsu guy, mm-hmm. regardless of if uh, the jujitsu guy's white, black." Uh, um, uh, you know, Hispanic, it doesn't matter. That's the guy he's rooting for. But he goes in boxing, fuck everybody else. I'm rooting for the Mexican, eh. right? And and I, I, I thought that was super funny. I thought, oh, man, that makes sense, you know, because he's a fan of the Mexican boxer. He's Mexican. And it's just so intertwined with the culture of boxing that he has no wiggle room there. He's rooting for the Mexican guy. And, you know, if there's a black boxer versus a white boxer, are we going to pretend that the majority of the black guys are rooting for the the black guy? Right. Uh, is that not happening? Are we going to pretend? You know, like, so we all got these weird sort of things. And yeah, the comedic thing to say is like, oh, we're all, uh, all a little racist. Uh, and, you know, granted, in the true sense of the word, not that. But there, there are teams here. There are factions here. There are irrational sides that we take. And I think we have to take that into account with information. You know, I think it's, I think the, the gates are a little... They're open a little more now where you can be in the culture and not be, you know, of the same origin as the founders of the culture. Mm. But I, I, I still think it's a little bit slippy of a, slippery of a terrain. So you got to know your shit if you're going to be dancing with these folks. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I think that that's important. And, you know, let's just call a spade a spade. You know, there's not a lot of folks coming from, quote unquote, the urban neighborhoods that are making it into medicine. Yeah. For whatever reason, you know, you can fucking talk to your blue in the face about why that is, but it just is, you know. So I think it's important to understand that gap and and really harness it, you know, because when, when do you really see like the, oh, the urban doctor? It's always that fucking corny doctor who's like doing a rap song about the flu shot. Yeah. I'm Doc Rock teaching five steps to you to avoid H1N1 flu. Oh, God. And you're like, God damn it. None of that shit was cool. None of it. You know, like, fuck, like, this is terrible, but you'll see the whole other side of the aisle. Like, that's so hip. You know, it's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. You know, that that just set us back. <laughs> right. No, that's why, so. you know, again, why I think, you know, what we're doing is, you know, super important to talk about these things and in a way that people relate to. And because we we talk like other people um, and also hopefully... You know, just like that classic Tupac line that we always uh, talk about. I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. And that's our job, is to spark somebody else watching us. We, we might not be the ones, but let's not be selfish. And because we're not going to change the world, let's not talk about how we should change it. I don't know how to change it, but I know if I keep talking about how dirty it is out here, somebody's going to clean it up. Or, you know, attracting people like us through this, you know, medium to join our cause so that, 
you know, we are getting these people that that talk like us and think like us to, you know, kind of create an army around this cause of, you know, spreading information that people can relate to. I agree. I think that's the lane, you know, even when things like this happen and Kanye goes up there and says something reckless, I think there's a lot of important stuff to still be salvaged there. Yeah. So uh, we don't want to uh, drag you through this again, but uh, no, I'm fine to talk about it. Okay. I'm totally. That's the brave and uh, courageous. Yeah. yeah. Medicine Remix fam, thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you found that episode valuable and or entertaining. And if you did, please, please, please consider sharing the podcast and writing us a review on iTunes. It would mean the entire world to us and it would help us spread the word about Medicine Remix tremendously. We love you. Stay tuned for some amazing interviews that we have on the chopping block. Lots of good shit coming from our studio to your ears on the brand new season of the one and only Medicine Remix. Remix.